2: From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
3: After Richard Jewell, I was like, yeah, it's all downhill from here. You just starting a $40 million biopic at Warner Brothers with Clint Eastwood and Sam Rockwell and uh, Kathy Bates. You're done. The movie didn't make any money. You failed the system. You didn't make them their money back. And that's it for you. And then Blackbird came along. And so clearly, you know, the joke's on me. the The real lesson to be learned is you never peak. You're always capable of more or capable of happier.
2: Blackbird star Paul Walter Hauser is brutally honest about what he considers some of his most challenging moments. I'm Michael Schneider. On this episode of the award winning Variety Award Circuit podcast, we talk to Paul Walter Hauser about the challenges of Blackbird, getting sober, and why he thought he peaked with Richard Jewell. But first, on a live edition of the Award Circuit Roundtable, we explain what makes this year a unique season for Emmy campaigns. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit podcast. Stay close. Hi, everyone. Oh, that... Hi. Come on. Hi. There we go. So I am Variety TV editor Michael Schneider. Uh, you've been bothered with me all morning, so my apologies first off. Uh, but we do the Award Circuit podcast, which you can download, stream, uh Wherever you find podcasts, uh, you know, and it's free most of all. Mm -hmm. But uh, not only do we have interviews with some of the biggest and brightest talent, the huge stars of Emmy and Oscar season, but every week we also do a roundtable where we discuss what's going on in all the pertinent races. Uh, And it is the four of us who get together and we chat all about the Emmy race. So we have all the answers (laughs) is basically what I'm saying. But I am joined to my left by Jazz Tanke, who is our artisan's guru. I don't have your official titles in front of me, so just artisan's guru. I'm just making shit up That's now. What
4: it I be. like that title.
2: Yeah. yeah. So Emily Longaretta, who is our mm. senior editor of All Things Published, <laughs> something like that. Okay. Emily yeah. does all of our Emmy issues. She puts yeah. together those beautiful, beautiful packages that you mm. get in the mail, and she's been killing it. Thank you. And then there's this guy at the end. So, vice let's, president. Oh,
0: wait. I'm the vice president of janitorial services. <laughs> it's a great title.
2: Clayton Davis, who is our superstar senior awards editor, who basically he has all the answers. He already knows yeah. who's going to win in uh, September. So yeah, for failure already. <laughs> He's the guy who you call up and scream at when he doesn't include your show in Uh, his predictions. But that's him. He always gets it right. Always. Always gets it right.
0: Uh, Great to be here and great to be with you all. I think the easiest place to start in this type of conversation is where are we in the race and why is it so wide open this year? And that's because they changed the voting method this year, which people are not aware of. So I'm going to do a quick disclaimer of that, (laughs) and then we're going to talk about our uh, personal loves and shows and where we think things are. But Take us to school, Clayton. Take us to school. So it used to be that as an Emmy voter, pretend you're a member of the acting peer group, you could vote for as much as you wanted in a category for nominations. It could be a participation trophy and just go down the line and vote for all 240 supporting actor submissions if you wanted. The Emmys have now decided that this isn't a participation trophy race. And now they are allowing you to vote for the number of nominations that will be allotted. So for a series, you will only get eight checkboxes. Or in lead actor or lead actress, we're expecting six checkboxes. So now you have to really think about what you love and vote for that. Can you vote for the same show? Seven or eight times in one category, or do you spread the wealth? So that is the big change, and what that has made us aware of, we're expecting some surprises, both in inclusions and exclusions, but we don't know what those are yet.
2: (laughs) Well, and we should say one of the reasons why they changed it is, as you noticed, the past couple of years there was Emmys was the haves and have nots. So there are certain shows that Emmy loved, and so every actor on the show was nominated, and then and then as a result, so many other shows were uh, snubbed, as we we like to use that term, snub. Uh, But this time out, the hope is that maybe this people will pick maybe one one favorite from a certain show, one favorite from another show, and that will have a little more uh, diversity of uh, choices.
4: There's a lot of TV, so this really gives people. I don't know if you guys know, there's a lot of TV. Uh, but I think this. I think that, this
2: that's is, why you just look dazed right yeah, now. Just. <laughs>
4: Truly, my eyes are glassed over. Uh, but I think that that gives the chance to highlight some of these other shows that might not always get that. I mean, this is a chance to really spread the wealth a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking at, especially the large ensemble cast, uh, we just heard from Yellow Jackets mm-hmm. have some of the best. Uh, women non-binary people on television that are killing it um but how do you choose a certain number of them you know melanie linsky killed it this season she's expected to be among the leading contenders but what do you do with tawny cypress because she's she's incredible on that show uh juliette lewis spoiler alert last time you can vote for her on that show so there.
2: i already spoiled them don't worry they they (laughs) already know
4: You can blame Mike for that. The internet
0: comes hard, man, when you spoil
4: things.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's Succession. We had our final season of Succession. Um, We have some category switches. Kieran Culkin's going lead for the first time. Up against Brian Cox, who was only in five episodes, sort of. Sort of. Uh, And Jeremy Strong, who's won before. Sarah Snook is going lead for the first time. It's exciting. It's also uh, nerve-wracking for me and us when we make... (laughs) rankings and choices because we don't know and then voting starts next week next Thursday and then we'll know exactly what's submitted what isn't and uh, who's going to be upset by those. Whether
1: the wealth gets spread, right?
0: Um, But one thing we really want to do is uh, aside from just talk to you guys is we all have little personal loves and, and shows and, and things like I look to Emily Longaretta for anything that's related to CSI law and order, <laughs> anything that's on CBS, the Chicago, shows. Chicago, Chicago shows. Okay. She really fills in the gaps for me. And, and those are, if you follow Mike's uh, top 100 uh, shows of the year, Broadcasts is all all the Emily shows are on there, there. sure. Yeah, so she's able to provide that. Uh, jazz if there's a Lady Gaga concert in in contention, (laughs) likely gonna be there.
4: That's where you fall
0: into. Is there a
2: Lady Gaga show in
0: contention? Not Not this this year, year. she did not do a Tony Bennett collaboration this year. Uh and then Mike Mike really opens me up to some of those heartwarming shows that we come late to the party and he's like I was with the band way before you guys That's were. That's so true. That and is- that this I, year that this year somebody somewhere on HBO if anyone can like talk yes.
2: Yeah, I that Mo and Reservation Dogs three shows that make me cry. Like I've never cried so much in front of my television as I have the past couple of years. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe I'm just getting, I'm I'm more of a softy in my old age. Like
4: um, you bring up reservation dogs to me, and like your eyes immediately get teary. Look. I almost
2: <laughs> teared up at the Yellow Jackets panel that I moderated right before this, just talking about that episode Episodes. with the birth. Like, what is like? I I'm a mess. Everyone
4: <laughs> is he going to stop crying George? right now? I think
2: right now. <laughs> I,
0: I don't even know why. It's post pandemic. We're just all a little more sensitive yeah. than than usual. Um, but yeah, and then for for myself, I just like I'm always good for some raunchy comedy that. You won't let your kids watch, so I'm a big. Porn? An, I'm a, no, no. I mean, might as well be because d- you- if anyone watches Dave on FX, Dave is my jam. Dave is great, and I love Black Lady Sketch Show. Like I love things that yeah. will that you, you can, make you laugh. Can't, can't you make you laugh, and you can't let your kids watch. But but it's all good. But what we want to do is hear from you a little bit. And we don't typically do this. We're gonna take like one or two questions from you guys. If you would like to throw one out, you don't have a mic, so we're gonna repeat your question into the mic, so then people at home can understand what you said.
2: Yeah, who has a burning Emmy question? Burning wants enemies. to know. Do you want to know why is it Cake is not eligible this year? Which is probably the scandal of all things Emmys. <laughs> you you cannot vote about. for is it Cake? No, is it Cake this year? So, uh,
0: quick, quickly, is it Cake? Uh, the game show category has been moved to primetime Emmys. They extended the eligibility window for that. Is a cake was declared not eligible for game show. It has to go into competition program. And competition they did not extend the window, so it doesn't fall into the window. So it's like an orphan now in tv world this happens a lot there's a lot of orphan shows and we can have a whole separate podcast about what the tv academy needs to do to kind of like spruce up some rules you know scripted variety is a whole other podcast show but yeah that's the is a cake rule and it sucks for that show because it's really good and I always pretty much nail it. I know it's cake. Nailed it is a different show. Yeah, nailed it is a different show. <laughs> uh, we we'll uh, we'll episode next week. Yeah. 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 Someone That's raise your hand over episode. here. I I yeah, was there one in the back? Where oh, you one? yes.
4: There. Yes. Let's repeat the question. Yeah, so sure. for
0: people at home uh, from a talent agent that asked uh, with the strike happening, could that postpone uh, the Emmys, the daytime Emmys have moved from their June slot to an undated Slot. Uh,
4: I've been talking about this a lot.
0: Not all of us are.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. There's a strike
0: going on. In case yeah. anyone uh, needs to know, yeah. uh, writers are on strike, and SAG started negotiating t- yeah. today. Yep.
2: So uh, there's still a lot of uh, you know, questions. Obviously, if SAG goes on strike, then that also changes the game. Um, and and so I think they're they're looking right now at all sorts of different contingencies. So clearly, if you do have both guilds on strike, then phase two. Uh, kind of has to be postponed. Uh, you know, Again, nothing official just yet, but if you don't have anyone campaigning, then I think there'll be a lot of conversations about, well, we, then we have to delay that second phase of campaigning, and as a result, then also push the actual Emmys to perhaps later in the year. And obviously, we've seen, with the daytime Emmys already being postponed, and some other award shows have been postponed as well, uh, I could see a world where the daytime, or, or the primetime Emmys, rather, uh, don't uh, air until, say, November. Uh, that could be one month that they're looking at. And there's obviously uh, some sort of historical precedent for that. Uh, in on uh, in 2001, uh, because of 9-11, the Emmys were pushed back. And if you remember, the Emmys also took place in November that year at a different venue. So I think... A lot of this is sort of wait and see right now. And I think we kind of have to wait until after the nominations come out uh, on uh, July 12, Wednesday, July 12. And at that point, we'll see where is the world and do we have two guilds on strike and what happens from there. Ooh. So good question. Here, right. I can give you my mic. Oh,
4: yeah. even better. That's right.
2: Okay. You guys are very reactive to the, the rules and regulations that the, the Academy brings to you. So if it, if it was th- flipped it around, if it's your choice, what suggestions would you guys make in uh, terms of rule changes to influence and say, make it a better Emmy? What would you suggest? Ooh, so, so anyone hearing this slot. at home? Do you have those, an hour? We, we, because, yeah, we've uh, we've, we've, we've said this so
0: much. They said, Give us one hour. We will fix it <laughs> for so much less money we and just this. clear it up. I mean, for, 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 me, for me, honestly, like, and I think this is where we all agree. Expand to 10, 10 yeah. dramas, 10 comedies. Yeah. There's too much TV now. Like you can't watch everything to assume that everyone's watching everything. You're lying to yourself. We can't even watch everything. And this is our job. So there's a lot of noise. So let's expand that. That's,
2: easiest start point for me yeah and you would still have snubs even if you had 10 yeah, nominees in these categories just because there are so many shows
4: yeah 100 percent. i think there would be need to something would need to change with the variety talk series yeah. uh, variety categories, categories that are a little no bit messy right now i don't have a solution for that for to me personally but i know as someone who covers it i'm constantly confused as to what's going in it and if i'm confused that means a lot of people are
2: so my, my solution to that is you, you, you make it an area award, which is one where every show is eligible. They're, they're basically all nominated because it's now such a small pool of talk shows that uh, instead of having nominations, you just have people vote the winner from the entire pool. And that, that sort of leads to a, a more fair and balanced competition in that category, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially this year, Scripted Variety, uh, which used to be Variety Sketch, they felt like... It needed an overhaul, which it did. But now John Oliver has been moved into that category, which will com- he'll compete against SNL and a black lady sketch show, and that doesn't make sense to me. Those aren't the same thing. Um, and, and then problem with John Stewart got kicked out of hosted nonfiction into. Into talk series, which kind of makes sense, but you know, we're weighing a desk versus not a desk. These are all things that we will have a summit about, I'm sure, in the next. <laughs> yeah, and, year. and I
2: think something like uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, even though it technically uh, is in the, the short form categories, it should be in. It's the a sketch
0: show, yeah, and it, and it should gets be with the sketch. for ring for runtime because it's 16 minutes long. So if it was 22, then it could. But then there are some things that are five episodes that can't compete at all because it it doesn't meet the episode requirement. So, you you know, we're in a room full of artists and network people. You have visions for your series, visions for what you bring. And if you want it to look this way, the TV Academy, there should be a home for you somewhere. And that's, I think what Mike was getting at
2: jazz. How about on the artisan side? What, uh, what, what sort of the category you think they need to change?
1: I would, Put you on the spot, oh I know. Oh, my gosh. Um,
2: there's only 200 categories know, on the like, artisan I'm like side. I'm <laughs> going through every single
1: category in my head right now. Um, I need to think. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is makeup, because makeup is juried, but...
0: yeah. I would say all juried categories probably need to go I away. Know, right? Like, like yeah. I, I think ju- I think jury is, well, one, you can't campaign for it, and you don't know who's on the jury. So you're just going to hope the five people that are going to decide on this watch your stuff. So
4: let's get rid of all the juried categories.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, there you go. Category. Fixed
4: it. Yeah. I would just like to say before we wrap up that I, I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, if there's a way, I don't know if it would be a new rule, but a way to remind people that broadcast TV is still in the game and we should still be... Uh, yeah. still be supporting that and well, watching that
2: I have a, a column coming up where I talk about maybe it comes down to episodic count yeah. so maybe there should be a category for shows that do more than 16 I mean, episodes
4: 24 episodes these people are putting yes. in the work let's let's give them, what, give them some payoff Emily is such a champion of broadcast television Hard she work, just guys. wants
0: Law and Order to have its own category. This is all a scam. <laughs> who doesn't? Right? Y'all are fa- yeah, falling doesn't. for it. She just wants a place for it.
4: outstanding Dick
2: of- Wolf yeah. drama. <laughs> nine
4: hours of watching Dick New Wolf category. should pay off. Okay, yeah. nine hours a week—that's a commitment, guys.
2: I mean, the thing is, Dick Wolf has thirty-seven shows, <laughs> so he would be able to sustain an entire category all true. to himself.
0: Yeah, it works. It all works. But just—I uh, think—to wrap up here, when it comes to Emmys, like my. Says we know the answers. We really don't, because there's twenty thousand people that are voting. You, it's so hard to get a read on it. But the the most important thing that you all need to know, if you're a voter and you're listening at home, is watch as much TV as you can. It's hard to watch it all, but give everything a shot, especially something that you you you've never heard of. Uh, like just go for it. It will. Blow your mind, yeah,
2: especially this little show called Succession. Have you yeah. heard about
0: it? Like, it's a big breakout this year. That Succession <laughs> show, it's going to do really well. Yeah,
2: need
1: somebody dies in that show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll see how it does, but uh, that that'll be the one to watch. Anything else uh, before we wrap that uh, you guys are excited to see when nominations come out?
0: Uh, I'm a big fan of Shrinking and particularly yeah. Jessica Williams. Yes. Like I, she is. I, I think she is the great performance of, the, of, of yeah. the comedy categories this year. I'm excited for her. And Latinos to be nominated at the Emmys. It's oh. going to be also a very big uh, moment.
2: <laughs> Looking forward to it. That would be nice. So I have two.
1: I do love Yellow jackets. I think I would love to see Simone Cassell be nominated for AAPI representation, to your point. But um, this is going to help with Ben Whishaw. He won the BAFTA. It was nominated for Critics' Choice. Like It's yeah, that's the one show.
2: This okay, is going t- t- to hurt. <laughs> yes. Emily, how about you?
4: I feel like I've pretty much already said all my my love, but uh <laughs> I would say it, I really hope that we get a little bit more love for Abbott this year. I think that that's something we got a little yeah. we got a taste of it last year and I think this could be the year we get even more.
2: And I will end it with just this one plea. Better Call Saul oh. has never gotten an Emmy. Forty-six nominations, it's actually zero wins. How mm-hmm.
0: it's, it's What's going it's on? This the year. It's, it's the last time.
4: time. It's
2: the last chance. So there you go. I mean, there's so many great shows. It's an exciting year. I mean, it's I, there's a lot going on. I know it's a troubled time in this industry, but. The Emmys are all about celebrating the best, including the writing, the directing, the acting, the crews, the artisans, everyone. This is a time to celebrate just how great entertainment has been. And coming out of the pandemic, the fact that some of the best television ever has been produced in the last year uh, just tells you everything you need to know about the resiliency of this industry and excited to see more. Don't forget to download or stream or our, our podcast, Award Circuit Podcast, again on Apple on Stitcher. What is Spotify. Stitcher? Spotify. Spotify.
4: Wherever you podcast. Wherever right?
2: you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. Thanks, Have, guys, have you a great everybody. rest of your day. After the break, Blackbird star Paul Walter Hauser. From Los Angeles, this is the Awards of the Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. In Apple TV Plus's Blackbird, Paul Walter Hauser stars as serial killer Larry Hall opposite Taron Edgerton, who plays James Keane, a man offered a commuted sentence if he can extract a confession out of Hall. Dennis Lehane, known for his best-selling mysteries, adapted Keane's autobiographical novel In With the Devil, a fallen hero, a serial killer, and a dangerous bargain for redemption for the six-part series.
3: When well, it's... Quiet like this, they call it riot quiet, like the calm before a storm. Really? Yeah, Yeah. or it just (laughs) means it's quiet. Did you see anyone in here? No.
1: Something missing?
3: Why was something missing?
1: If I was worried someone had been in my spot,
3: I'd worry someone took something. I'm not worried. Someone was in my spot. No? Oh, no.
1: Then why'd you ask if I saw someone in there?
2: Hauser has already netted a SAG Award nomination and wins from the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards for Blackbird. Variety's Janelle Riley recently spoke to Hauser about some of the challenges he faced before his recent streak of successes, including getting sober and also seeking treatment for his depression and anxiety. Now, he and his wife recently welcomed a second son and his career is thriving. He'll be seen in season two of Apple TV Plus's The After Party, hitting the streamer in June. In addition, his new film, Americana, in which he stars opposite Sidney Sweeney, just played the South by Southwest Film Festival. And he recently shot The Instigators with Casey Affleck and Matt Damon. And could his fan favorite character, Stingray, return for the final season of Cobra Kai? They began with Janelle handing the actor a burger. And you'll find out why in a moment.
3: I'm going to take down so a bite of this bun. burger. I took off one of the buns. That's good that enough too. for me right now. Yeah. I'm going to hit the treadmill later. Here we go. Oh,
1: Wow. You got the audio and everything. Good? Okay.
3: Okay. I'll tell you what's really good about this burger. (laughs) It's straight. Bingo. It doesn't try to achieve, you know, it's not trying to end up in Buckingham Palace. It just wants two, two beds and a bath, you know. This is good.
1: This is a good burger. Can I tell you where it's from? Where? A gas station. Now,
3: uh, n- don't worry. it's not So a- I was onto something with, with saying it was uh, humble but good.
1: Yes, it's literally the ga- this gas station on the corner of uh, S- Sepulveda and Santa Monica. It's a deli. It's not just like a gas station. Like they're have- like
3: I found it on the floor. Of yeah. Um literally on the corner.
1: No, it's uh, it's called the Corner Deli and Grill. Okay, and um, everybody in this building just goes there because the food is cheap and good and solid, and it's one of the best burgers I've ever had. And nobody believes me because they're like, "It's inside a gas station." No, this is a great deli. They have They have the best BLT I've ever had. Um, and I'm not I have no endorsement deal from them. I'm just telling you that I sing you know the what? praises of this solid, solid burger.
3: You can find good stuff anywhere. right That's what's fun about a big city, too. when you visit <clears throat> I visited you know London, Pittsburgh, New York. Some of the best places are just—they're not on the travel list on the internet. Yeah, yeah, you got to find it.
1: Anyway, uh, we have this burger here because you've been seen around award shows, always having one. Uh, I think you wow. proposed to Jamie Lee Curtis with
3: one. I I proposed a burger to her. Absolutely. <gasps> I I told her I was like, we're in a group text or something, and just being silly, and I told her I was making a smash burger in my home which uh, I've come to know is like my favorite thing in the world now is smash burgers because they're thin, so you feel like you're being vaguely healthy, but you're not. You're just smashing the patty thin and then adding another patty because it's too thin for you. Anyway, the things would justify. But she said, you better bring me one of those to the Golden Globes. I almost made her one that I'm like, you know, she it, it could get on my clothes, the grease and the messiness, and maybe she'll think it's weird. I'm not going to bring it. And then I run into her on the red carpet, and she, the first thing she says, where's my burger?" And we get it on camera where she's with Entertainment Tonight or whatever. And she goes, ah, oh, and like acted really upset about it, jokingly, obviously. And so I brought her one to the Critics' Choice, and she wasn't there.
1: Oh, no! She had COVID. Oh, that's right. She got
3: COVID. So I had it on stage, and I just looked like a <laughs> weirdo like I always do. And then... And then I finally brought her one at the – I think it was the AARP Awards and yeah. she got down on one knee and Mark uh, Mark Malkin uh, caught it. And, Variety's Mark Malkin. Yeah. Love him. And uh, yeah, that's been my thing and now I just kept bringing them. I brought like 20 Burgers to the SAG Awards and I was just handing them out to like Sandler – and Jamie and whoever wanted one, because you know they don't feed you with those things.
1: They they did this year, but it was yeah. they took it away pretty quickly. So by the time most people sat down, the food yeah. was
3: gone. I mean, sometimes it's it's good, but it's usually like, would you like the arugula or the arugula? And you are exactly. like, no, I'm or the diet arugula? Yes,
1: <laughs> I did. There were some left over. I think you got them from In and Out. I stole one off the table. Oh, you at the did? End of the good. Night. good. Yeah. Yeah. No, they
3: were from they were from some. Someplace, I think it's called Top Burger or something, but no
1: way. I thought they were total in and out packaging.
3: I wish maybe I could get a branding deal. Yeah, where is the best smash burger? The best smash burger in Los Angeles, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of proud of the one I made in my, <laughs> in my kitchen. Like, I use a little Worcestershire, a little, uh, some grilled onions. Well done, double cheese, American. Do you pad out the meat with like bread or anything, or is just straight meat? You know, we all like bread with our burgers, but lately my move has been doing burger bowls.
1: What is that? Oh with the uh lettuce?
3: Yeah, you just throw it on a bed of lettuce and then you feel less guilty. Cut some carbs. Yeah, and then you can
1: have twice as much meat because you're I mean, being so good. Yeah. You'll feel
3: like Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> you have the means.
1: So, just to set the record straight, because when they announced your nomination, uh, or they're going through the nominees for the yeah. SAG Awards, they cut to you, and you perfectly timed a shot of yourself eating. That I tried
3: burger. to. I was doing the comedic timing thing, where I'm like, "Wait till they cut to you, and then act like you're like you're watching the actor, like you're not him." And you're just like
1: flawless, flawless. But you're so good that some people really thought you didn't know the camera was on you.
3: Yeah. I noticed people on the <laughs> the internet were like, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. I'm just like, <laughs> guys, I'm a walking embarrassment. I was trying to have fun. I made Sandler laugh. That's all that mattered to me. I Sandler was pointing at me and I was like, is he pointing at me? And he was like, that thing you did with the burger, that was hilarious. And I was like, oh man. That's good, Sandler. I got the Sandman to laugh. That's, that's <laughs> a win.
1: Yes, my friends in my burger group were very excited, and they were like, "He's the winner of the night. He's in burger bliss." Did,
3: you know, oh, that's sweet of them. <laughs> I need to join that group sometime before you do. we all. You can get a t-shirt. Pass on that t shirts amazing. Yeah, I um, I just like having fun at those things. I think you know they can get a little, they can get a little stuffy. People are trying to save the world with an acceptance speech, and and you know it's just a lot of things. So I. I was sitting at a table with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt at the SAG Awards, and Fran Drescher's on stage, and she's like, "SAG after is committed to," and then she said some statistic about getting rid of plastics on sets. Which, by the way, I'm I'm all for. I think it's, you know, ridiculous. Um, we have so many other resources outside of plastic for toys and disposable products, whatever. But she was saying it and everybody clapped like, yeah, look at us. We're saving the world with the plastics. And I just yell in the middle of the applause. I go, fuck plastic. (laughs) 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 And just started clapping. And Krasinski, I made Krasinski roll in the aisles. I was very happy. I'm just trying to make people laugh. That's all that is.
1: Uh, It's funny because I've been seeing you do dramatic roles for years. But I think most people associate you with comedy until Blackbird, which is about as – Far right. from a comedy as you can get. Although there's some dark humor in it, I will say.
3: Dennis is a funny guy. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, make no mistake, don't get it twisted. He is a legitimately very funny man. Uh, and I think he knew that I had a comedy background and that I could handle some of that and and bring sort of a surprising amount of comedy, but really on the page, you know, it was that brilliant part where Taryn's character, Jimmy, says to my character, Larry, he goes, uh, I peaked in high school, and then I, I respond with, I, I peeked, think I peaked in the womb. You know, that's <laughs> That would be a great one-liner for yeah. Ronnie Dangerfield or somebody, you know?
1: Yeah. But it's also kind of true in a sad way. Yeah. Of the character. Yeah.
3: We all have moments of feeling like that, too. I have to imagine. I mean, <clears throat> after Richard Jewell, I was like... Yeah, it's all downhill from here. You just starting a forty million dollar biopic at Warner Brothers with Clint Eastwood and Sam Rockwell and uh, Kathy Bates. You're done. The movie didn't make any money. You failed the system. You didn't make them their money back, and that's it for you. And then Blackbird came along, and uh, and so clearly, you know, the joke's on me. the The real lesson to be learned is <clears throat> you never peak. You're always capable of more, or capable of happier. Sometimes happier isn't more. Those two are not. You know, they're not the synonyms for one another,
1: but I feel we, like we
3: mistake it as such.
1: Richard Jewell will stand the test of time, and I feel like you know, a year after that movie came out, people were still talking about it, and just even if they were just seeing it now on home video, and sure. it came out at a very strange time too. So I have yeah, to imagine, it's, you
3: know, sometimes I'll I'll find out oh it just hit net I'll get a residual for you know uh, you know eight hundred bucks Richard Jewell you're like hell yeah. Uh, and it, and I'll realize oh it's on Netflix in Canada. So now a ton of Canadian people yep. are seeing it or you find out <clears throat> it's on ITV over in Britain, you know. Whatever the thing is, it does make the rounds and you know Clint Eastwood is just he's a he's a brand as big as, you know, Pepsi and Adidas. Mm-hmm. He has a brand and people go to that brand for their fix and I think that'll be a movie like all of his that just Gets discovered with new generations and new folks. Did
1: you really think it was over? Did you think like I blew my shot or were
3: you Oh, I didn't think I wouldn't work, because I mean even even if I was relegated to just doing a three-camera sitcom laugh track on the guy with donut crumbs on his chest, you know, I I can still do that till I'm dead. But um I do aspire to be like uh, not spoken in the same sense. I mean, s- spoken is more ego. Like is more I'm doing the work of uh, people like everyone from Ned Beatty to Paul Giamatti to Philip Seymour Hoffman. These sort of misshapen character actor guys who handle comedy and drama with equanimity. That, that's very important to me.
1: Um, people like love your characters so much. Even when they're like not good guys. Like, Oh, I
3: know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I was getting some compliments from for Blackbird or Black Klansmen. Yeah. People were like, "I kind of, I kind of like that guy." I'm like, "Are you racist?" And, <laughs> but what they're really getting at psychologically is, "Oh, that could be a great guy in another life." Meaning, yes. had he not grown up in a racist family in Colorado, and he was born to some more liberal to median moderate family in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That guy's a whole bunch of fun. He's a PE teacher that you invite to every cookout. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, I'm curious if uh, – <sighs> Sorry. Oh, no, no. Of course. I'm curious if after Blackbird – because I, I have this vision in my head that like people are constantly approaching you and wanting to talk about Stingray or wanting to talk about Corella and all these fun characters. Did you notice a change when Blackbird came out? Like people kept their distance or were maybe a little more <clears throat> cautious around you?
3: Weirdly enough, people were not reticent or distant. It was actually – it was it was more like they still approached me with comfortability, but it was a different tone. So it used to be more like – people would approach me and be like, dude, you're such a clown. We love you. You're such a ham. And now I have some people walking up to me like a 40-year-old couple in an airport and they'll be like, hey, my husband and I just watched Blackbird, Blackbird last weekend with his parents And we're just, we're in awe of what you do and, you know, can I shake your hand? Can I get a selfie? Whatever. So it's just that, that has been fun. Not that my ego needs it. It's more just a validation of like, hey, I'm doing the work that's affecting people the way the work affects me. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, freaking, there are some actors like Stephen Graham in Boiling Point, Mads Mickelson in Another Round, Mahershala Ali in Anything. These guys are affecting me and I think about them often. So, uh, you know, the hope is that I do the kind of work that stays with people and and they, they speak of it in the same light and try to share those stories with other people.
1: Did you know the story of Blackbird at all? Were you familiar with Larry Hall? I, I'd never heard – not that I no, – well, no. actually, I do go down uh, rabbit holes about serial killers sometimes late at night. <clears throat> but Listen, I was shocked I never all, heard
3: the story. <clears throat> we've all done the dark rabbit hole on the phone or the computer. Um I was not familiar at all. Uh my buddy I'm buddies with Bill Burr. He did a whole podcast episode on the Larry Hall incident, which surprised me. I didn't realize how many people knew about it, but but uh I it was foreign to me. And you know, when you think about maybe playing a serial killer someday, my assumption was that I would get cast as um I almost said John Wayne Bobbitt. Uh, <laughs> John Bobbitt is the guy who got his wiener ripped off um john wayne gacy yes because i have a larger frame and i don't look unlike him uh though i like to think i got a little more teddy than grizzly on my bear (laughs) but uh but yeah no i thought maybe someone would try to cast me as him and i never wanted to do that role because i felt like people would always want just see the grisly nature of it, more of mm-hmm. the Dahmer approach where you're, you're living in the moment and you're sweating through each second like the victim. And that can be great entertainment. Um, but I like the more psychological, character driven chess game going on in a Blackbird. Yeah. You know, that's to me, that'll always be the more interesting version, I suppose.
1: Especially when you're playing chess with Taryn Egerton. <laughs>
3: Dude, I mean- great chess player. So is Dennis Lehane. So are our three directors. Yeah, Joe Joe Chappelle and Jim McKay and Michael Roskam. We don't talk about them enough, but those men and their their DP Natalie Kingston. They really set a tone for. Mm -hmm. We're making this thing look like a prestige movie, and you pair that with that cast, and and you know, it took very little. People were like, "Were you were you afraid to sign on board to this project?" I'm like, dude. Dennis Lehane, Taryn Edgerton, I don't know that you need to say anything else other than am I being paid and will I be housed (laughs) during the production? I think those guys are top of the line.
1: At the same time, once you did sign on to do it, was it a difficult place to exist in? Because I would think just watching the show can be
3: rough. Yeah, I've been very open about – my wife and I did a podcast on this other podcast called Dad Tired, which now that I have a second child, I – Really appreciate the title of that podcast. Um, My wife and I did a, a whole thing about just the breakdown of our marriage and what we were going through at the time. I was dealing with some addiction, not like crazy. I'm taking pills and crashing cars, but definitely a lot of marijuana and alcohol and just crashing my life with depression and bad choices. So I was in a dark place when I was making Blackbird and afterwards or during and afterwards, I was like, I think I got to get sober. So I got sober and, and got into therapy and, and got like a full time, uh, therapist. And I got on Zoloft and trazodone for my sleep and depression and anxiety. And I just started feeling so much better. Yeah. And, and Dennis and a few people from the production pulled me aside at different points where they're like, Hey, it's good to see you doing well. And I'm like, was I doing that bad in your eyes? And they were, they were kind of like tiptoeing, not wanting to offend me, but they're like, you treated us well, but I'm not sure you treated yourself well. Wow. And they were kind of hinting at like, I don't think you know how dark you got. Bye. I don't think you realized how much the show affected you, um, which, you know, hindsight is a bit of a teacher in that. And I've been looking at where I was at. And, you know, you're, you, I want to own it. I'm the type of guy, you know, I did this guest star on the show, Bupkiss. Yeah. For Pete Davidson. And I only have like two scenes in the show. It's not a big thing. And I'm just there to help Pete because I love Pete and he's a, he's a mensch, but I, you know, it's like, what can I do in these two scenes? And in the, one of the scenes I did with him and uh, Colson Baker was, I I was put, I put a cigarette out on my face and I, I like wrote a monologue uh, that I just then kind of improvised and blurted out in the scene and they kept it in the show. It's, Me, like, writing a letter to my son from the past when I wasn't sober and apologizing that I missed his birth. Like, I just went – I'm basically the kind of guy who's like, I know this is an appetizer, but I'm trying to give you a meal. Yeah. And then you can parcel it out. You can take that home. You can give the rest of the meal – the rest of the app to a homeless guy. You can throw it in the trash. But I'm always trying to give a meal for the appetizer. So when I have a meal like Blackbird, I'm trying to give you a buffet. And trying to over deliver, and that I don't think I realize that can that can hurt over time. That can wear you out. Did you get sober during Blackbird? Sorry, I'm fighting a, a cold. My little guy, of course, Her- well, yeah, my you son have Harris has a little newborn. bit a cold. Uh, what say it again. Sorry. Uh,
1: did you get sober during Blackbird?
3: During, yeah. Oh wow. I was California sober though. I was doing the thing where I'm like, I'm sober. Yeah. But I was still taking edibles, and I just wasn't <laughs> drinking. I haven't had a drink since July, 26 or twenty six of twenty twenty one, I think. But, but um, yeah. On my on my day eighty nine, where I was counting my days and feeling good about myself, before I hit day ninety, I'm like, I have to get serious. And I had a good cry, and I was like, yeah. I have to say goodbye to this. And so my sort of sober birthday thing is October twenty sixth of twenty twenty one. That's
1: so interesting because I don't think it, it wouldn't surprise me as much if it happened after Blackbird, but it must have been hard being in the midst of all. I scared my. People, like, I, yeah.
3: I had one scary moment where I was in a bit of a rage and I, I like broke my laptop and I had been drinking and I left the house and didn't tell my assistant where I was going. I kind of scared him and it was it was like an ugly, sad little moment that many a man has had. I'm not the first to have that moment. Um, but it scared me enough to go, oh, I, I I don't want something bad to happen to me. I care about my kid and I, I care about my loved ones. I care about me even though I'm still learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. And you got to go on the – self. me and – I'm buddies with Zach Levi and he and I talk about self-love and self-care and our faith and stuff all the time and it's something – I don't think enough people talk about it. I'm not trying to hang some sort of, uh, look at me tassel on my, down my cheek or something. I'm just making the point of, it's easy to talk about the good stuff. I can tell you about getting sloshed with Sam Rockwell. It was fun. There are all these stories that are fun and I like telling them, but in the time I have, I always want to try to be vulnerable and and show a little skin because, uh, Shed a little skin because I think people need it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: So I have to be sober because I'm actually allergic to alcohol. Um, and wow. le- You know what I love about it?
3: Eternal DD. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's an Designated. Asian thing because my mom has the same issue. Um, you know what I love about it? I save so much money.
3: Oh, alcohol sure. Alcohol is
1: expensive.
3: Oh, also it gets worse if you love it. Because yes. then, then you're not going to go buy a thing at Cuervo. You're – trying to graduate and you're getting yep. oh this is actually from mexico city and it came with a decorative ribbon on it and it was 192 dollars. i mean that is th- there is a leveling up in the alcohol game and weed game that just it can be fun for a minute and then you realize like what the hell am i doing
1: do you remember like where you were in the shooting of blackbird when you got sober like the, the specific scenes or where
3: was i Think it was episode oh you know what part of it too is I was forgetting some of my lines, which is oh, not no. that is not a Paul thing. Yeah. I do not do that often. Uh, I'm very good about keeping to task and and showing up for everybody. but this episode four where we're cleaning up the cafeteria, which is all I'll say to not give anything away but the cleaning the cafeteria episode four thing, that was that was a lot of dialogue for anybody. Um, and I'm doing very specific things. I'm not just rattling off. It's like, I have to have an emotional journey while saying each thing. Um, so that was tough to begin with, but I remember my, my assistant, this really sweet guy, Anthony paddocks. He worked on staff at the Goldbergs for on ABC for a while. And he's a musician and a writer friend of mine. He, he kept having to tell me really simple fixes. And at one point he said to me, he's like, Paul, you know Dennis loves your work. We're already in episode four. Like you don't need it word perfect. And I was kinda like, no, but it should be because his writing's so good mm-hmm. and that's on me. So I got frustrated with myself and I told Anthony, I go, I think it was a Thursday. I said, on Saturday, I want you throwing out my bar cart. I bought like a three, four hundred dollar wow. bar cart for my Airbnb and I was thought it was so fancy. I had my, you know, 35-year McAllen or whatever it was. I had all my fancy crap. And I told Anthony, uh, who has experience with knowing knowing uh, people who have dealt with addiction, I said to him on a Thursday, make sure by Saturday I want that thrown out. And what I was really saying unconsciously is I need one more day. To- yes, of course. <laughs> to uh, tie one off. <laughs> and true to form, Anthony being a good friend and good assistant, the next morning I woke up and the bar cart was gone. Wow. He had thrown everything out. He defied my... Saturday deadline.
1: Well, you, you did say bye Saturday. Oh, I said on
3: Saturday. <laughs> oh, said on
1: Saturday.
3: Okay. I said on Saturday for sure. Yeah. And he said, nope, you're full of shit. And uh, he's right. I was full of shit.
1: I am curious. What what do you have coming up next? Because I know you're doing the second season of The After Party, which I hear is
3: amazing. Yeah, we shot it. I'm about to drop the little teaser trailer thing on my Instagram today. We just saw it's... It's so fun. Yeah. I think it's just going to be a fun summer watch, and everybody's going to want to kick back and have a laugh. The cast is insane. Someone working behind
1: the scenes told me that you steal it. Really? Yes. Without even me asking about you, they just said completely independently. They were like, well, "Wait until
3: you see Paul Walter Hauser." Cough me! I love I love <laughs> theft in all its forms. No, <laughs> I I had a blast, and you know if. if I really just got to improvise and play too. Chris Miller is one of those guys who goes, Hey Paul, I know who you are and what you do. Let's just have fun. Um when people cuff me, it's like the you gotta have the love there. Mm-hmm. You Gotta have the the mutual trust. That's such a big deal. I mean, I would not be so hell bent on improv stuff if if uh if I hadn't gotten the sign off from guys like Spike and Craig Gillespie and Clint. Like yeah. And uh, now I'm doing this Doug Lyman movie with Matt Damon and Casey Affleck. It's called instigators. It's Doug, Casey, Matt hung chow. I, I think I got a scene or two with Alfred Molina. Like it's an amazing little group of killer actors. And once again, I'm, I've never worked with Doug Lyman. I don't know how he works, but by take two, he's like, Hey, say something else. When you walk in the room, doesn't what to what's saying. I'm like, Oh, okay. You, we know what's going on here. And then the fun is just trying to make Matt and Casey break or saying something unexpected and and getting to play with those guys.
1: Uh, I don't know if you can say or not. Are you back for the new season of Cobra Kai?
3: Um, I'll be very transparent. They haven't reached out yet. And I think they know that the stakes are so high with the show coming to an end. Uh, They know that the stakes are so high, and I think they might be doing more than 10 episodes. I don't know how many episodes they're Mm going to do. It could be 10, it could be 15, it could be 20. So I'm just waiting for them to hit me up and be like, hey, do you want to come play? And hopefully it works out with my schedule. I love those guys.
2: That's Paul Walter Hauser. You can catch Blackbird, now streaming on Apple TV+. And that's it for this edition of variety's award circuit podcast zach levin edited this episode and michael schneider is the producer be sure to subscribe to the award circuit podcast on apple Podcasts, stitcher or wherever you download podcasts also head on over to variety.com and click on the award circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races as well as your daily fix of news analysis and reviews for jazz Tanke, emily Longaretta, and clayton davis i'm michael schneider and we'll see you on the circuit